welcome to the podcast of Of Course They Make Me Crazy. It's about crazy family stories. We all have one, right? More importantly, it's for those of you living with someone who suffers with a mental illness. You can start to feel lost in their world. Now, I get it. I grew up with a bipolar mom addicted to pain pills. Hoping the stories shared here will help you through difficult days. It's not all serious. We laugh and joke, too. If you have little ones around, pop in your headphones. Adults only, please. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast of Of Course They Make Me Crazy. I'm the host, April Norris. You know, losing your child is probably your absolute worst nightmare. Losing them to suicide, totally gut-wrenching. Don't wish that on anyone. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Like, How do you know if your child is serious when they threaten to hurt themselves? Or how do you know they're not using it as manipulation? You might be thinking, well, April, I know they're my child, but some of you might not. And so we're going to unpack that today. You know, last week I talked with Mike Donahue from valueup.org. He goes into several schools, talks to a million teens a year. And he was saying that, you know, we need to have our children value themselves? How do we ask them to value others when they don't value themselves? We need to start instilling that more in them. Uh, He also mentioned that teen suicides are increasing in affluent homes. And so that led me to want to bring in Dr. Daniel LaBelle, my guest today. Hi, Dr. LaBelle. Hi, April. Thanks for having me. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks so much for, for being here. So he might sound familiar to many of you because he was one of my very first guests on the podcast of, of course, they make me crazy, but I wanted to bring him in. He's a psychologist with 25 years of experience. He's authored two books about borderline personality disorder, and we'll name those at the end of this because he's got a third book coming out. But I wanted to bring you in because I know you could really shed some light on this topic for parents. And so when you and I first started talking about this, you know, I said, how do you know if they're doing this because they're serious about what they're saying or if they're using it as as a manipulation? And you said to me, well, April, every situation is very delicate. Every situation is different. So when someone comes to you, Dr. Lobel, with a situation like this, maybe a client, How do you start to walk them through this? Well, every situation where the issue of of self-harm or thoughts uh, uh, or statements about hurting oneself or taking one's life has to be taken seriously. Uh, We simply cannot afford, the stakes are too high, so we simply cannot afford to have any uh, errors in this area because it can cost us a life. So we must take every single uh, situation seriously. However, um, the ex- these expressions have different functions. And so um, the first thing that uh, one would do, I think, uh, where this comes up is to uh, evaluate these uh, expressions or gestures uh, in the context of whether the person is depressed, and if so, how much they're depressed. And so what we take a look at uh, in people who express either the desire to hurt oneself 
uh, or the desire to take one's own life, is we look at three uh, uh, very, very important factors in uh, the, the assessment of the depth uh, or, or severity of depression. The first one is hopelessness. Uh, does the person uh, express a clear and consistent sense that uh, the future is hopeless, that nothing can get better, that nothing, uh, uh, that there's no, there's no brightness, there's no um, joy to come, and that they're essentially convinced of that. Uh, the second is helplessness, which has to do with their sense of agency and their feeling that they cannot control the future. They cannot create hope, uh, and they're just being passively taken along for, the, for a ride that, that they don't want to go on. Absolutely. And the third, and the, and the third would be uh, anhedonia, uh, which literally means no pleasure. And this particular indicator is least uh, discussed of the three in the field, but I find it to be tremendously important and very, very significant. Uh, and so people who no longer get pleasure from activities that they used to get pleasure in, and so they no longer do them. People who used to enjoy being with friends, but they no longer experience pleasure from that, and they don't do it anymore. Artists who used to enjoy painting or, or making music, they've stopped doing it because they no longer get any pleasure from that. And that is uh, a uh, very significant uh, indicator of, of depression severity. Exactly. And so as, as, as a parent, you know, sitting back and listening to this, they might be thinking, you know, my, my child used to love to, um, you know, play hockey, play soccer, uh, hang with his friends, her friends. And now they're just, you know, popping on their bed, uh, you know, when they get home from school, listening, to, you know, looking at their phone, maybe just diving into video games and not really socializing anymore. And I liked uh, the example you used in one of your books where there was a young girl and she wanted to have her boyfriend over and uh, a little bit different and kind of isolating herself, but um, her parents didn't want her to have her boyfriend over uh, because they were going away. And she said, what, you don't trust me, you da da da, and she started to lash out, which, you know, a lot of them do, um, and said, I'm going to hurt myself if you don't let me have him over. Um, kind of go into whether that's something really serious, uh, you know, that they, they really need to have their antennas up, or is that just, you know, some, how, do they, how do they maneuver it, really, is what I'm trying to ask. So there are really uh, three large categories under which the uh, uh, suicidal or self-injurious behavior fall into. One of them would be manipulative, and that would be the case with uh, this particular uh, story that you uh, bring up. Here, uh, the sense of anhedonia is not there. Uh, because she wants to be with her boyfriend and she anticipates that that will be pleasurable. Uh, also, the sense of hopelessness is not there because she has hope that she will be with her boyfriend. Uh, and the sense of helplessness, other than her feeling the need, understandably, to appeal to her parents as they own, they own the home, uh, to allow her to have the boyfriend over, 
Uh, and so this does not sound really so much like a depressed person who wants to end their life. This sounds like a, a person who wants to uh, threaten the parents and use it manipulatively and say, I'm gonna hurt myself or kill myself if you don't give me what, you, what I want. A second category uh, would be people uh, that use self-injurious behavior for totally different reasons. And they use that to modulate or to cope with emotion where they experience uh, emotional pain or psychic pain. They don't know how to cope with it. So they create physical pain either by cutting themselves or burning themselves or other kinds of things, sometimes banging their head against the wall uh, and, and various other kinds of things that draws their focus from the psychic pain to the physical pain, which they then perceive to be more manageable. And then the third category, which is the most serious category, uh, would be the category of people who are helpless, hopeless, do not feel any pleasure, and do not want to live. And those are the people that we are most concerned about. Absolutely. And how do we, because sometimes, as you probably know, Dr. Lobel, those people are not the ones really talking about their pain, right? So that's exactly right. Uh, they're the ones that are, are are quiet about it, and that is extremely scary because it comes out of maybe nowhere for somebody of a loved one looking after them. Um, are there any kind of signs, or there is there any thing that we could do better in, in, in watching out for that? Well, uh, th those are, let, let's, let's look at the signs first. Uh, the signs would be uh, uh, signs that would be consistent with uh, helpless, hopeless, and anhedonia. And so helpless uh, would be uh, uh, observable in terms of seeing your child or, or whoever, whichever person we're talking about here, uh, essentially be listless. Uh, they spend a lot of time in bed. They don't even bother trying to do anything. They don't groom themselves. They don't uh, eat very often. Uh, they don't even, you know, do basic things because they don't really care whether they're alive or not. And so they become listless, passive, uh, and non-functional. Uh, also, the, the hopelessness uh, is very clearly uh, expressed in the absence of any kind of future plans. And so if your child has no plans, no plans for the future, and no interest in talking about plans, could be the recent, the, the, the uh, uh, short-term future in terms of, you know, what they might do next week, next month, uh, or it could be even more dark, the long-term future. Why bother go to school? You know, what's the point? Uh, why bother get a degree? What's the point? You know, that, that kind of talking and thinking where there's absolutely no, no vision, no uh, uh, sense of the future, no planning for the future. And then the anhedonia, which is the cessation, the stopping of behaviors that had previously been uh, pleasurable to them. An avid golfer who stops golfing, you know, a child that loves pizza, who, doesn't, who, who rejects uh, a, a pizza brought in, you know, by the parents, uh, who, who doesn't want to see their friends. And even, uh, to your example, uh, someone who even stops playing video mm -hmm. and avid video. Of course, video games is a whole other 
exactly and then so if when they're experiencing this and they're starting to see their child go down that road what is their step i mean is it something where they start to talk to their child about it how do they even approach it um without uh, getting them upset or making them closed off uh you know so or feeling judged or um you know because with teenagers there's so many things that you have to tippy toe around so you don't offend them um and how does somebody approach that well Ultimately, someone who shows significant combination of helplessness, hopelessness, and anhedonia, they almost certainly are going to need some professional help. Mm -hmm. And so the way that you would talk to your child, apart from assessing that whether, that, whether or not that's present and to what extent it's present, the goal here would be to uh, obtain some kind of professional help. And here again, I'll, I'll go back to the anhedonia being very interesting, uh, and, and I'll, I'll spare you the, the neurochemistry and the neuroanatomy, but you know, there's a pleasure center in the brain. And everything we do that brings us pleasure stimulates that pleasure center. Uh, and so a person experiencing anhedonia essentially has something wrong with their pleasure, pleasure center. It's not working. It doesn't work anymore. And, and so it's most likely not 100%, but it's most likely that there will have to be a chemical intervention and, and a medication to restore the functioning of the pleasure center. Uh, so, but how you do that uh, with the child uh, is, first of all, you want to uh, make sure that the child is not normalizing what the child is feeling. And with today's um, music uh, and uh, even some of the... Uh, um, film uh, and other kinds of expressions where these kinds of things like feeling hopeless, feeling helpless, hurting oneself, thinking about death are presented in videos or in music as being something that everyone experiences. The first thing would be to make it clear it's not something everyone experiences and it's not normal and it's not healthy and it's, it's an illness and it needs to be addressed. No, I, I, I agree with you on that. It's like sometimes when I hear those, I think, well, it, in one hand, it's good that they're talking about it. Uh, but on the other hand, you're right, it's normalizing it. And it's kind of a, it's just a, yeah, a, a touchy, you know? I, I think, yeah, it's good that they're talking about it. So then they know if they look up to that person, they deal with some of that too. They're not alone in dealing with it. But then again, it is, it's normalizing it. And then, and then what? Where do you go in life? You know, if you're all walking around like zombies, not appreciating and loving and enjoying anything. Um, and so, in regards to that is the extreme, right? So how do you even, is it just something the parents should do? Just set the appointment up and, and make them go? I mean, it's just, I can just see that kind of being a battle, but I guess it's just one that you have to cross, right? In order to, to get them past that point. 
Well, the parent should endeavor to um, uh, neutralize to the extent that the parent can both the sense of helplessness and hopelessness. And so the way they do that ideally is to let the child know that um, although this is a very painful uh, experience that the child is going through, and although the child doesn't know of anything to do to change what they're going through, that in fact, that other people do go through this, that we do have ways of treating it, we can treat it, and, uh, and that the parent wants to partner with the child uh, on a journey toward, toward health and, and treating the health uh, and treating the child uh, uh, in, in, uh, in a uh, curative, in a, in a restorative way. And depression uh, is extremely common. Uh, I, I believe it affects somewhat like a third of the population at some point in their lives. And you can talk to your child about that and say it's something a lot, a lot of people go through and that one can recover, but it does not go often. Sometimes it does, but often it does not go away by itself. Yeah, that's a hard one to get past, you know. Um, and I, I referenced at the very beginning when I was speaking with Mike Donahue from valueup.org, uh, he goes into schools and talks to teens. Uh, it's a program that schools uh, have them come into. And he was saying in children, a lot of them now are just not valuing themselves. And he was saying that, you know, many uh, just don't know how to deal with conflict anymore uh, because many parents do try to uh, solve uh, their problems, you know, uh, not this meaning mental um, illness, but, you know, problems in regards to maybe an argument with a, a coach, a teacher, and we try to solve everything. And it's just, they don't know how to value themselves and they don't know how to deal with conflict and they're feeling depressed and lost and lonely. And it's just like a, a storm of, of things that you just have to look out for. It's, it's uh, you know, ch children, why do we all even have them? No, <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> There's just so much, you know, you're just constantly stressing. But, um, you know, I don't know where I'm going with that, Dr. Lobel, in regards to, it's just, do you think a lot of this stems from something like that, where they are starting to lose value in themselves? You know, he was saying there was, you know, teens uh, are, are speaking about, um, you know, I, I'm feeling this way, but I'm, I feel guilty feeling this way because I do have so much, right? You know, I do have a mom and dad that love me that put a great house over my head. I have all my toys and my games and but i'm still feeling this way is there you know is there something that starts to come out of that that snowballs into the bigger picture of what we're discussing well the context is is very 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 important for for a number of reasons and i have to say uh although you you did not bring this up uh that I, I think that the COVID-19 uh, pandemic that we're experiencing now is quite significant to the point. Uh, 
As your previous speaker talked about the value of the self, uh, the extension of that is the value of one's own life, which is what we're here to talk about today. Yeah. And the, the situation that has presented itself to all of us, not just Americans, but around the, around the globe, um, has given us a huge sense uh, of, or added to our sense of helplessness and hopelessness because we have a pandemic that we can't control and it prevents us from doing a lot of the things that we did do uh, in order to experience pleasure. And it has taken away a lot of hope, not just for children, but for adults as well. And it's probably part of what uh, accounts for uh, the increase in suicidality. However, uh, I believe that was increasing even before COVID. And you bring up the issue of conflict. Conflict can be a healthy uh, interaction between people if conflict can lead to conflict resolution. Yeah. Unfortunately, in my experience, um, uh, quite a large percentage of the population has no idea how to do that and uh, how to actually resolve conflicts, uh, which re requires uh, empathy, uh, seeing other people's perspectives, compromise, and things like that. And instead, it becomes this sort of contentious, antagonistic interaction between people that breeds resentment. And from conflict to conflict, the resentment just grows and people don't wanna be around each other anymore. And if that's the model that the teen has seen based on how their parents behave and interact, then, then naturally they would, they would uh, take away that perspective. No, I think that's a great point, absolutely. And you and I were, before we got on, we were talking about COVID and uh, I did ask if, uh, you know, you've seen a rise in, in your business since it all went down, but you said, really, that's not the case, right? That it's just been busy prior to that too. <laughs> it's, it's hard to determine sometimes, yeah. uh, you know, what's, uh, you know, I'm not a marketing expert, so it's, it's hard. Yeah. To, I can't track websites and people's, uh, you know, eye movements on websites. So. Right. But very busy, yeah. Uh, that's, you know, I, I, I'd like to say, well, good for you, but <laughs> probably, you know, unfortunate. Is there anything else that you want to, you think that is important for us to touch on? Well, uh, you know, there's, there's the issue of how to deal with uh, a, a child that's using uh, suicidal threats or, or threats of self-injury, uh, either manipulatively or perhaps out of hopelessness. And if the parent doesn't, doesn't know which one it is, the parent still needs to have tools to deal with that. And, and so, you know, the old uh, adage, uh, you know, assume the worst, hope for the best, uh, applies here. And so any self-mutilative, uh, self-damaging behavior, any thoughts of a dwelling of suicide, and, and I say dwelling, you know, does, does, is there a person on the planet that hasn't considered their own death at some point or another? Probably not. We all think about it, we think about it, and, and religion brings it up, and, and lots of things do. But someone who's dwelling on it, uh, or preoccupied with it, or is actually most uh, of concern, someone who actually has a plan as to how they would do it. That's someone who's at much higher risk. Yeah. And the person like that uh, should not be left alone until those 
uh, feelings or behaviors resolve. And if they don't resolve, uh, then immediate professional help should be sought. And when you say not left alone, um, I mean, is that a legitimate, like they need, somebody needs to be in the house with them all the time or they're, they're maybe put into some kind of, you know, I don't know if there's a facility out there, a watch facility. I know that the children's hospital here, you know, takes in suicidal kids in droves uh, where they're building more rooms for it. Um, and I don't know what point they start to take those children in if it's, you know, the harmful point or just the, the talk of it or um, when you say not to be left alone, what does that really mean? Well, we have to be concerned uh, with children, adolescents uh, who do not have fully formed brains, their frontal lobe is not fully formed. Uh, and some of them have the beginnings of personality disorder or other disorders or could be using substances, all of which can increase the chance of them acting impulsively. So even someone who's not acutely suicidal, you know, in a moment of despair or rage, uh, can, you know, swipe at themselves with a razor blade or something, not meaning to go very deep and hit a major artery. You hit a major artery, you got about five minutes to get medical care uh, or you will uh, pass away. And these things happen. Uh, they get a little too close to the window in an apartment building, you know, and they can lose balance or fall. And, and so when I say, uh, you know, uh, not leave them alone, I literally mean not leave them alone at all. You need, you okay. need a pair of eyes on them. Uh, if you can do it as a parent and you're comfortable and confident in your ability to do that and prevent a disastrous event, uh, then, then okay. And if you have a, a partner, even better. If not, if you're affluent, uh, you can hire people to come in your home and do that. And if you're not, uh, then you have, would have to use, like you say, uh, a hospital, an emergency room, uh, or some other uh, professional site. As I said before, and I have to emphasize this, we can't take chances in this particular area or people will die. Yeah, it's, it's uh, scary. I, I hate that any parent would have to deal with that, you know. Um, so Dr. Lobel, we're gonna wrap this up, but I, before we go, uh, you have two books already out. One is When Your Daughter Has BPD. The other is When Your Mother Has Borderline Personality Disorder. Uh, and if you wanna learn more about that borderline personality disorder, we did do an episode with you called Borderline Personality Disorder. It's very interesting. But you also have a third book coming out. So, um, and that is called, uh, what again? It's uh, Walking on Eggshells, uh, which, which is a, a title that uh, was originally uh, um, created by Randy Kreger. Uh, and she and I and Christine Adamek uh, will be, uh, we're about halfway through a book. It's actually a workbook for parents. Uh, whose children have BPD uh, or might have BPD or have symptoms of BPD. And, and uh, in the workbook, we do take on the issue of self-harm and, and suicidality. That'll be out uh, at the end of the year uh, on New Harbinger Press. Uh, and then uh, I also have recently uh, been given a column in Psychology Today, uh, which is called um, 
my side of the couch. And the focus of my side of the couch is, is on personality disorders, all of the different personality disorders, although uh, we're focusing for the moment on, on BPD. We will be talking about other personality disorders as well, some of them not, not well covered uh, by, the, by the media. And we look, I look forward to that very, very much. I look forward to it too. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I know we'll be having you on soon again. We just skimmed the surface. November 3rd, Dr. Lobel will join me again with tactical advice you can use to help your loved ones.